cool. So Tyler, Susie was just telling me she has a podcast too. Oh, that's awesome. What's it called? Uh, Trail News. It's on our website uh, under communications. It was just a COVID project. I was bored. <laughs> no, that's a good <laughs> idea, especially during that time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We've done like, I don't know, 14 episodes or something, 15. Yeah. They're really short. We keep them like 15 or 20 minutes. Sure. Mm-hmm. So how do you do? Um, is it like trail reps or who do you have on? Uh, it depends. Um, uh, land managers, sponsors, um, other people. Yeah. I mean, we've had rangers and I coerce them into coming on and talking. Um, <laughs> I tell them I won't be mean. <laughs> You're speaking my language here. I'm hearing land managers, <laughs> rangers. I love it. We've done a couple with staff and board members uh, just talking about some history stuff, you know, like a story of, you know, a certain trail system or something that's really well loved. And all these new people have no idea about the history of it. So we kind of talk about, you know, go 20 or 30 years back and talk about why there's trails there and what we need to do to keep them, you know, stuff like that. I love that. And honestly, um, with, the newer generation of mountain bikers, a lot of me included, honestly, I've learned a lot. (laughs) I swear, like I'm fairly new to mountain biking, but from being around all the old timers, people don't realize that like, it's a privilege to ride where we ride and it wasn't always available. Uh, It's, it's a right that a lot of people advocated and fought for really hard so that, you know, today when we all go ride these awesome trails everywhere, we have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think it's important for people to know the history. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. So we are here with Susie Murphy, uh, the executive director of San Diego Mountain Biking Association, and among many other things. And and I'll let her speak to the board she's on and the other things that she's um, part of. And Tyler's on tonight. Hello. And Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on and super, uh, super excited. We're on different ends of the world here. I'm over on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. Tyler's I'm on the, right other, in the I'm, on, I'm on the other corner. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely looking forward to chatting, especially because basically the work you do, I'm, I'm involved in on, on this side of the country and looking forward to kind of hearing how you do things and talking about your mountain biking journey. Yeah, for sure. So how did you end up on a mountain bike? Well, a long, long time ago, um, when my, uh, before my kids were born and my daughter, my oldest daughter is 29 now, uh, my husband and I were living down at the beach in ocean beach. And we literally, he, he was much more of a rider than I was. Literally, my big ride was like, let's ride around Mission Bay, like, you know, cruising around. And uh, that was in, my daughter was born in 1992. Uh, just bef- when, before she was born, we started to dabble. Like, my husband got kind of a, kind of a real mountain bike. I mean, not what you'd call, you know, <laughs> an old one. <laughs> um, they were awesome. Uh, and, uh, I got kind of one, I think my first bike was from Costco, actually price club, probably at that time. I was super excited about it. I still remember rolling it out into the car thinking it was super cool. (laughs) Uh, and 
my daughter was born. And then when she got to be big enough, my husband started to ride with her in a backpack. And um, le- just leaving from the house, we have trails we can hit from our house. And I was nervous about him doing that. So I just started following them. He's a pretty good rider. So I had to keep up to make sure she was going to be okay. And that's sort of where it started. <laughs> so I was just, you know, being a mom. And gradually we, you know, got different bikes and got more new bikes and then, uh, yeah, got into other things. But it's been a long, it's been a long haul and it was a great activity for our family and our kids as they were growing up. And it still is for us as well. I love that. I I have a five-year-old daughter who's still on training wheels. Uh, The goal is this summer to ride enough and her to get the courage to jump off those. And, and she's got a little trek. So I, I definitely get where you're coming from. My wife is totally, I'm not getting a mountain bike. Mm. Um, she's like, I might get a bike. And then I told her, I was like, well, maybe we'll get you an e-bike. And she's like, I don't want a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. Um, so to start somewhere. Yeah. So we're still uh, trying to talk about that and figure it out. But so, so early nineties. Yeah. What was your first bike? Well, it was that or your one, first real mountain bike. The first real one. I think I was thinking back, I think it was some sort of entry level Trek hardtail something. Uh, and then I remember getting one of those, do you remember? Well, you're, you guys are too young, but the Trek Y bikes, it was like a monocoque frame where it looked like a, I always said it felt like I was riding a guitar was like this Y frame yeah. carbon. Yeah. Uh, full suspension was super fancy. I love that bike that I raced on that bike. It was one of the, I think that was the first race bike I had. Uh, and then I went through a series of Gary Fishers, which I really liked as well. Uh, back to hardtails Cause I was racing at that time. And uh, yeah, now I have different, different things. Now I have an Ibis Ripley. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a friend of mine has one of those and it's, it's, it's a, looks like a great bike. He loves it. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your main discipline now, so to speak? Uh, I don't know. Phone calls and emails. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm still a cross country rider at heart. Um, I think, but I've dabbled in a lot of things. Uh, my husband and I both raced for 10 years. So he was always strictly a cross-country racer uh, at a pretty high level. Uh, and um, I raced cross-country for some time. And then I realized that racing downhill, uh, you could um, it didn't hurt as much. Like you could be done. Instead of being out in the course for two and a half hours, you were done in like 10 minutes. And yeah, it's so and then Super D came along, which again, you guys are too young. Super D was like the the thing that happened before Enduro was invented. That was really my best discipline. You know, longer format downhill, a little bit of pedaling. That was great. Uh, I've done a little bit of Enduro mm, and other things, a little bit of bikepacking, you know, a little bit of everything. Uh, used to ride a road bike, but we sold all those road bikes. No use, no use for those. (laughs) (laughs) No use for those at all. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, I've done a little bit of everything and I hope that that helps me represent um, all the different sorts of uh, people in San Diego that do all different kinds of writing. So that that's a perfect segue into what you're doing now. Um, what is it like? How did, how did you become the executive director of, of uh, San Diego Mountain Biking Association? Well, I like to say it because I'm an art history major, but I don't think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I had uh, been a volunteer up at our local state park. Cuyamaca Rancho State Park for my husband and I both for over 20 years uh, as part of their mountain bike assistance unit, which is basically a bike patrol. Um, and I was the president of that unit for a while. We ran a poker ride to raise money for uh, the park. We did trail work. Uh, we, you know, tried to propose different ideas and projects uh, to the park. And so that's how I first kind of got involved with advocacy and events and uh, working with a, you know, a land manager like State Parks. Um, and then I didn't really realize I was laying the groundwork for this career. Uh, but I think that was that was what that was what started it. And then uh, SDMBA was founded in 1984. So it's been around for a long time, but it was all volunteer led and driven until they hired me uh, six oh. and a half years ago. So That's awesome. First, yeah, I was the first ever staff person, uh, which is good and bad. Like you can kind of <laughs> make up everything. Like you can start fresh and it's all yours and you can, you know, uh, you know, build the foundation of what a staff led organization looks like that obviously still runs on the, the, all the volunteers. But, um, and literally I had friends who were on the board and they kind of told me uh, with quite a bit of notice. They're like, Hey, we're kind of gearing up to hire an executive director. And I go, Oh, really? I go, huh, that's interesting. I didn't really think about it. And then just some life things that were going on with me. I, I, um, I was teaching elementary school and I, I, uh, wasn't going to do that anymore. So I left that, uh, did some other things for a couple of years and, uh, Pretty soon that job was posted and I was available. So I applied. Here I am. <laughs> now we're sitting here with you talking about <laughs> your career and your mountain biking stuff. I love it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're now, I mean, organizationally, of course, as you guys know, as soon as an organization can, uh, you know, gear up to hire a person, then things really start to snowball. And so now we're up to four staff people. We have myself and uh, our full-time trails coordinator. And we just brought on in the fall a communications and marketing person full-time. And we have a, a seasonal full-time uh, trail specialist to help our trails coordinator. And we'd like to keep that uh, maybe not seasonal, but we'll work on it. <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> so with... Um, all of that, then what, what is the hardest or most difficult part of your job, um, in your position? Um, persevering, uh, and keeping the focus on improving trail access for mountain bikes in San Diego County, despite the many, many challenges that we have, the challenges of high property values, uh, urban 
urban and suburban sprawl, uh, new housing, taking up open space. Mm, the most uh, the most federally listed uh, and threatened endangered species in the country of any county. Oof. The most biodiversity, they say, of most any county in the in the country. The most uh, Indian reservations of any county in the country. Uh, and then I'm dealing with over 20 different uh, jurisdictions and agencies from federal, state, local, and private conservation groups. That's all. That's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our friends that live in and do this work in Nevada or Utah or other places, I'm like, wow, that looks easy. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> I know none of it's easy, but some of it's easier than others. Yeah, everything you just mentioned sounds insanely difficult. Uh, we mm-hmm. We deal with a lot of the same stuff, but probably not to the same degree in Massachusetts. Um, there's not a ton of open space here. Uh, similarly, uh, in the Eastern part of the state, Southeastern part, which is kind of where my focus is and just like getting, you know, it's hard to build new trails. It, it really, really is. Um, and it's, it's tough because people, you know, people get dissuaded and they, they say, you know, Nemba does it the right way. I'm not doing it that way. And then there's rogue trails built and, you know, it's our fault because everyone thinks every mountain biker in the world or new England is part of Nemba. And, um, it, it's, it can be difficult. And, and again, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, condone trail building or a rogue trail building, whatever, however, uh, some people make it extremely difficult to get it approved to build a new trail. And, and some people don't want to deal with that. I agree. I try to tell people we have the same issues here. Uh, and we have to work within, with whatever land manager we're working with, we have to work under the current trail standards that they're applying to whatever project. And those um, are sometimes, well, most of the time, very outdated sometimes just bad practices in general. Uh, So we say things like, you know, in my opinion, like I'm working for forever trails, right? I'm working for trails, doing all the work ahead of time, all the, you know, stuff to make sure that it's codified, that it's in perpetuity, that it will never go away, you know, and that's one kind of thing. That's one kind of trail that will be there for my kids and my grandkids and everybody else's grandkids, you know, and if somebody wants to go out and dig on property that's not theirs and make something fun, well, that's a different, it's a different thing. And it's really, that's really easy. Anybody can do that. Yep. It's anybody can do that. I don't, you know, that's not what I do. Absolutely. (laughs) So hashtag forever trails. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sustainable trail building. Yeah, I, 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 we're all about it and we're lucky enough. Uh, we're really lucky to have all over New England, but especially in our chapter and other chapters, people who have built, been building trails for a long time. They know what they're doing. Um, I even DCR, which is Department of Conservation Recreation. I hope that's what it is. I sh- yeah. Uh, anyways, DCR, <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, a lot of the 
methods that, you know, mountain bikers use and crafted and created for trail building, they now use, uh, which is pretty cool. That's, that's the dream, right? As, as land managers progress and see what's going on in different areas, hopefully they get out in the world to see what's going on in different areas and what's, what works and what doesn't. Um, but a lot of the, you know, really antiquated, uh, training that's going on here, with some of our local jurisdictions and especially with state parks um, is really frustrating. Uh, but we kind of say, you know, we don't, we don't really want to blame the player. We want to change the game and changing the game may mean, and we're working on some of this at a statewide level is how can we update the California state parks trail standard uh, guidelines that they're working under, right? How do we change that? Then we change the game, right? Yep. Makes makes total sense. Um, so, or I guess organi- organizationally, um, you're you know one organization or nonprofit or is it a nonprofit? You're a nonprofit. Yeah, we're a five hundred one c three. Okay. So, with that said, um, is it is it one entity? Do you have chapters in different municipalities? How? Because that's how we do it all over New England. It's kind of. NEMBA regional, right? And we have uh, paid employees. Now, back to what you were just saying, um, we used to be just an executive director. Um, that was switched up. Now there's an executive director. And in the last year, there's four to five paid positions now, full-time paid. And in the last you know, seven to eight months since that's kind of come about, a world of difference, right? Because- yeah. You know, Absolutely. when it's your eight to 10 hours a day that four to five people are putting in, it has just changed the game and for all for the better. It's amazing. Absolutely. If you have somebody that's here answering all the emails and making progress every single day instead of when they get home from their real job, you know, or their regular job and they're trying to do advocacy work from like eight or eight to nine o'clock at night, that just doesn't work. You know, you need somebody all the time and you can't miss a meeting. Like, don't miss a meeting. Like, if you, if you need a mountain biker at the table at some meeting, you better not miss it. You know? Nope. Yeah. Because nobody will speak up for us and, and you know, the hikers or the kayakers or the hunters or all the other user groups will say, or the horseback riders, nothing against any of those user groups um, will say mountain bikers shouldn't be on trails for whatever reason. Um, we get that a lot out here and it's, it's an old sentiment. Right. It's it goes back to when the mountain bikers were the new people on the scene and it was like they were the skateboarders or the BMXers of the trails. Right. The 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 outcasts, the the snowboarders. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Terrible people on the trails that are going to ruin it for everyone. Um, Right. We've come so far since then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a huge shift going on. I feel the more that we get paid people and in these organizations around the country uh, and, and just here in California, I'm, we're seeing the difference, but it just, it it just, it does take still time to get that snowball rolling. But to answer your question about um, how we work. So San Diego mountain biking association um, covers the County, which San Diego County is big, right? We have desert, we have mountains, we have coastal mountains, we have, you know, everything, foothills, valleys, canyons, I don't deal with the beaches. 
We, we do have a beach we can ride on. Actually, two beaches we can ride on, but, you know, I don't really deal with that. That's <laughs> not <Thank fun>. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they take care of themselves. I don't have yeah. to deal with that. Um, uh, and uh, we, we are just one organization in the county that's doing trail advocacy. We partner with other um, local within the county, local, um, I'd call them more like clubs, like riding clubs that want to help with trail work or help with trash pickup or help with trimming. And so we try to, we try to find those people in different areas, like somebody in South County here where I live or somebody out in East County or somebody that likes working up in the mountains or somebody that likes working up in North County in certain areas. Cause we have all these pockets of riding. So we try to find people that are passionate and capable um, to steward their area and then supply them with what they need, the knowledge, the support, the tools, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is they need, the training, and really try to disperse out the knowledge and the support that way. And sometimes that works. Uh, if you you, you got to find the right people, right? You've got to find yep. the right responsible people um, to do those things. But we have some awesome, awesome ones. Um and so that's kind of our model as far as the county goes. Uh, and then we also partner with, um, uh, you know, many of our sponsors, of course, for support and individual donors and all of that. But we also um, partner with the trail runners and the equestrians. We have a, a joint trail work day coming up in May with a, a backcountry horsemen. And our trail runners are awesome. They have a, a separate group called Trail Fit. And uh, they, for their races, they actually require people who want to race with them to do a certain amount of trail work. And we collaborate with them pretty closely to make sure we're coordinating on work and stuff. So that's great. So, yeah. I think that's a great, I I like that kind of model um, requiring people to do, you know, X number of hours of trail work because, you know, you, you go to a trail work day, maintenance day, whatever it may be. And it's, it's usually the same 10 people every time uh, they're the diehard guys and it's the guys who've been doing it for a 10, 15, 20 years. We have uh, those too. We have those guys too. <laughs> yep. Um, we're in the process at a chapter level of, of this year. We're going to roll it out next month. We have trail days set up uh, tentative trail days, and we're going to do a trail work rewards program. We have money in the coffers. We have, you know, like you said, partners and sponsors that are willing to throw up their merchandise or whatever to give it out, give out, right? You come to a trail day, you get a couple raffle tickets. Hopefully at the end yep. of the year, we can give away a pretty cool prize to, to whoever has the most. Um, and it's one of those things where maybe you come in because of the prize and you, you get the bug because it, you really do catch the bug when you're out there and you're, you're in the dirt. It's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love when people are like, this is really great. They're like, you know, when they say, and you guys know this, they'll say, I'm going to think of this day every time I ride this part of the trail. And I'm like, yep. yeah, I know. I did this. <laughs> I was part of this. It's pretty cool. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how we are organized locally. Um, and uh, uh, I can get into, you know, other hats that I wear in a bit uh, to talk about the state since, you know, you guys are dealing with New England while I'm dealing with California. <laughs> so we <laughs> yep. can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. 
Have you ever ridden in New England? I have not. When are you coming out? I don't know. I should. We should do a whole Eastern Seaboard thing. That would be awesome. Right? I have friends in Pisgah and, you know, all over. Well, Bentonville, I've been to Bentonville twice, but that doesn't really count as the far, you know, that's as far, that's as far east as I, a place that I've gone to ride. What are you doing uh, the first weekend of August? Come out for Nemba Fest. Oh, I've heard of Nemba Fest. Yeah, Yeah. that would be, that would be fun. That would be fun. In October, mid-October, we do our Mount Laguna Trail Fest. Oh, nice. You know, camping, whole weekend demos and all of that. Yeah. So. We should swap. You come out, (laughs) we'll come out. I'm trying to get Tyler. Tyler's in Wisconsin. I'm trying to get him to come out east one of these days. There you go. It could be like a foreign exchange program. Yes. Right. Yeah, it'd be (laughs) super fun. Yeah, I want to. We'll see. Hopefully next year or two. Um, I haven't ridden out east at all yet. So. Always go out west because uh, I don't have to pay for tolls. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So, do you want me to explain uh, California? Yes. In a, nut- yeah. in a nutshell. Yes, because be awesome. I've never been, and um, I definitely would love to go out there, just in general, but also to ride. Yeah. So you know, it's a big place. Uh, it's complicated. Um, it has lots of amazing pockets of trails that you can experience, you know, all different kinds, uh, you know, urban, suburban, uh, canyon riding like we have here, uh, you know, wide open spaces like up in Orange County, uh, you know, and then into the mountains and obviously Tahoe, Downeyville, oh, I'm in Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz out on the coast, uh, amazing work being done by some some of the folks up in the Central Coast and Santa Cruz. They're just uh, killing it. They're amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, and then up into Northern California where there's less people and more mountains. Yep. And so that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother beast up there. Uh, but it's beautiful and it's amazing and people should come and visit. Um, as far as uh, what we've tried to do in the state is, uh, you know, there's an estimated 80 trail organizations in California that we have been able to find. Um, a few years ago, uh, at uh, a trails, we have a trails conference every year that's put on by state parks. It's called California Trails and Greenways. And now I've been going for seven or eight years now. And when I first started going, uh, uh, a lot of the mountain bikers who went, who I started to meet from around the state, we would, you know, go to the little, the sessions and we would go to the dinners and we would meet people from state parks and forest service and whoever. And then we would go out and drink beer after, you know, amongst ourselves so we could talk privately. And we're like, you know, we need to have a bigger voice. And we think that, you know, somebody should, you know how that goes. Somebody should start a, statewide trail advocacy organization uh, for California that's really focused on amplifying the voices of mountain bikers. And then we talked about it again the next year. And then we talked about it again the next year. And then it started to kind of be more serious. 
And when we really thought about it uh, about three years ago at the conference, which was the 2019 conference, so right, you know, the year before COVID and all that, we really uh, got a, we had a group of maybe 60 mountain bikers there from around the state. And we thought, you know, we're really going to do this. And we, we had a separate session with just us to like hash out some basic things. What should it be called? How should we form? What's the purpose? You know, all of that. Um, and we intentionally formed it and we got our, we incorporated, uh, like two and a half years ago. So right, right before COVID, uh, as a 501c4. So those, you know, it, for those of your listeners that know not nonprofit speak, um, most of us are 501c3s, which means we can take donations from people. They're tax deductible. Uh, we can do certain activities uh, based on our mission, um, but we can't do a lot. We're very limited in what we can do as far as endorsing candidates or uh, hiring a lobbyist or um, doing any of that really heavy like legislative work mm-hmm. at all. So we we decided all that we really needed a voice in Sacramento. So we formed as a 501c4. And that was really exciting. And so uh, fast forward to now, uh, that group, and you can look at our website. Uh, it's um, cmtb.org. So California Mountain Biking Coalition, we call it C-A-M-T-B for short, I guess. Can't really say, can't really pronounce that, but (laughs) anyway, C-A-M-T-B. And uh, we have 30 member orgs underneath that uh, uh, name now. And I am inspired every day by the work that everybody's doing and that we're able to... uh, start to have a voice in Sacramento uh, because we're working with lobbyists. We're able to talk with legislators in a different way than a 501c3 can. We have, there's a bill, a trails bill, AB 1789, that sailed through the committee. It's a trails bill, establishes a trails commission for California, a staff position of a, a California trails coordinator, I said we're all going to arm wrestle over that job, but I don't want to. I don't want to move to Sacramento. <laughs> anyway, it's big stuff. You know, it's big stuff for us, and we're all very excited. And we all just we had a booth at Sea Otter Classic. You know, uh, last week. I'm still not recovered. It was super fun. We talked to so many people, and the industry is paying attention. The industries, the industry wants to help. We have so many bike companies here in here in uh, California. And, and we walk into their booth and they're going to listen to us, damn it. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> they are. They will. And they are. They are and they will. And, and if it wasn't for us working on trails across the country, they wouldn't be able to sell anything. So they need to listen. And they need to donate and they need to help. That's the truth. <laughs> so anyway, that's been a huge thing that, um, you know, fortunately during COVID when a lot of us that are on the board of CMTB, I'm a founding board member, we weren't doing our events. We weren't allowed to do a lot of volunteer work out in the field. And, you know, we were all, Mm -hmm. what were we doing? Sitting around the house. So why not form a 501c4 and get it set up? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So we did. And it's great. And next week, I go up to Modesto for the California Trails and Greenways Conference, and we'll be there in full force as the California Mountain Biking Coalition. It's going to be great. That's awesome. <laughs> and there's strength in numbers. It's it's true. When, when you're going, like you said, whether it be Sacramento or anywhere you are, 
And when you say I have X number of members for, for us, it's over 8,000 now uh, throughout new England at a chapter level in Southeastern mass, we have almost 500 members and that's just a little pocket of Massachusetts. Um, it helps a lot when you're talking to people. It, it really does. Yep. It absolutely does. We're up to about, uh, uh, I'll say, I'll say around 1800 members. It fluctuates every day, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah eight, some laps and some yeah. joy. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> about eight, about 1800 members, uh, which has been growing steadily for us, even through COVID and everything else. It just kind of steadily, steadily goes up. And so that's terrific. That's what we want. Um, I wish we had more. Uh, because we have a population of three and a half million people here, and we have a lot more mountain bikers than 1,800, I am pretty sure. And so that's a constant, you know, communication, uh, you know, messaging, meeting people, telling them what we do. And so uh, we work on that all the time. Um, so, yeah, we're really encouraged with California uh, as a whole. And one of my favorite things about working at that level, like we were just having a conversation. We have a, a Slack. Do you guys use Slack at all for communications? We do. We do. Yeah. It's terrific. Anyway, we have a Slack channel for a CAMT and we have these different, you know, subject channels in there. And, and uh, we have a lot of new small organizations, very small. Right. And they're asking questions like, where do you get your directors and officers insurance? from uh tell me more about liability insurance uh tell me about how you handle your member database right all all of these things are things that now we can all collaborate those of us who have been doing this for a longer time at a higher level can help all these groups and they don't have to like reinvent the wheel for for what they want to do in their area and that's really i love that but i'm a you know i'm an old teacher so that's, you know, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, that has been really helpful. Slack is great. Slack's great. Yeah, we have, we have you know, in the news uh, channel in there, people will post awesome articles. That one gets used a lot. Um, you know, trail advocacy, you know, all that. It's just there's so many channels in there. It's pretty cool. It, you know, and you get that wealth of knowledge in one, one spot, just like you're saying, I learned a ton just reading the conversations in there. Yeah. We found it really useful. So uh, we're going to carry on with that. And then um, I just think the sky's the limit for what we can do. We all already have really high contacts within state parks. Our California state parks are amazing and beautiful and offer many opportunities, but they are stretched to the limit and they uh they need our help and we're there to offer it but we also need them to understand that they need to work on some things internally uh to make make the parks better for everybody uh, including mountain bikers so that's something where that was a real priority for when we formed um and and we're working with forest service too forest service obviously there's uh, amazing examples of trails, uh, very progressive trails in Tahoe, Downeyville that are on Forest Service property. So how do we replicate that in other forests, right? Like, you know, how do we provide for that need for more advanced type riding um, on forests uh, like my local Cleveland National Forest? That's what our forest is called. I don't, 
I don't know, after President Cleveland, I guess. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that anyway. I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really encouraging, and it helps give me a little boost, uh, just a little more... I won't say swagger, but when I go into a meeting here locally, I'm like, well, the California Mountain Biking Coalition is working on this. And, you know, it's just it, it just really is amazing to me what we can all do together if we really work at it. So. Yeah, so with that said, um, what type of like partnerships and supporters do you have with all of that? Uh, it's such a large, <laughs> large thing to get accomplished uh, with what you're doing. So I'm curious. With the California group, with CAMTB? Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, um, we uh, the founding board are all very experienced, longtime trail advocates. So we all kind of came to the table with our, you know, longtime land manager contacts uh, with um, longtime, you know, some elected official relationships that we had earned over time. Um, and, uh, and then as far as sponsors, we had some pretty high level, uh, support from sponsors, uh, that we've worked on since we formed that are helping us, uh, develop like, you know, a small trail grant program. We're working on a, a, a youth ambassador program with, uh, the SoCal league and NorCal league of NICA here. So we're super excited about that. It's kind of like a youth board member, but a little more than that. Uh, so we're working on that program. We're working on some DEI, uh, things as well, uh, with the support of some sponsors, uh, to help organizations make sure that they're trying to find diverse candidates for their boards Mm -hmm. and their staffs. So that's kind of a, a different, uh, take that, you know, even me as a, just with SDMBA, like sometimes I don't have time to kind of think about those overarching things that I should be thinking of. How do I diversify my board? How do I get the message out there that we're looking for, uh, you know, all kinds of people that might be interested. And so that's something that CMTB can help with uh, as well. Um, and the, our sponsors, um, Sierra Nevada is a huge sponsor, uh, uh, athletic brewing company. I, I don't know why it's beer. Why is it beer all of a sudden? But anyway, <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're, they have both been great. Um, gins eyewear. We have some like non endemic, uh, sponsors, which have been great. Um, uh, we're working with, uh, you know, Shimano on some things, uh, you know, uh, specialized soil searching, um, is involved with, especially our groups up in the Bay area, cause they're Morgan Hill anyway. So, so, um, we've had some support from Bosch. So if you want to get into the e-bike conversation, yes, we have had some support from Bosch. Uh, <laughs> they are listening. They are listening as well. So, um, when we go to talk to people and try to, um, I think that, you know, you guys probably know this as NEMBA, that sometimes the sponsors are maybe a little more responsive if they have a wider net in a, in a regional organization or a statewide organization as compared with maybe just sponsoring a small group locally, that, that can be kind of a little negotiation there, but, uh, we're finding some success. Like I said, uh, they, they're listening. We can get appointments at sea otter and talk to people. That was great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Did you want to talk about e-bikes? Yeah. It's e-bike yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what's, I know it's such a kind of, well, 
I guess it's a controversial issue. Uh, I don't know. What's what's your personal take on it? What's you know, what's the organization's take on it? Land managers. I know it's I know it's all over the place because out here it is anyway. Certain places say, no, it's you can't ride it. And it's just yeah, I want to I want to hear your take on it. Definitely. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Let's talk. Well, personally, I think that my attitude towards them is I believe similar to a lot of people my age, I hate to say that, but, you know, that have been riding for 30 years. Six years, five, six years ago, I was like, oh, no, that, no, that is, people should pedal, you know, uh, you know, earn your way to the top of the hill, earn your downhill. Like, I was, I was not um, ever thinking they would be a thing. Um, and then, you know, knew some friends that got them wrote a couple, saw these panels that we, when we went to California Trails and Greenways or People for Bikes conferences and saw them being used, you know, for commuting or, you know, right into the store. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. My friend had a cargo bike that she hauled her kids around. I'm like, well, that's cool. You know, that's, that's a great idea. And then, you know, you guys know as the last, you know, since right before COVID and during COVID, they've just exploded, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing here. They're uh, everywhere. There's some anecdotal statistics floating around that's in some uh, places uh, that, you know, the usage of e-bikes is like 30, 30 or 40% of the bikes on the trail are wow. e-bikes, uh, which is huge. I Man, it's like critical mass at that point to me. Yep. But my attitude has evolved, I would say, a lot in the last uh, probably three years, Um I, we use, we have, we got one donated to Stimba to use for trail work. We got with a trailer, you know, now we have, we have three, we have three e-bikes with trailers and they're divvied out to, you know, our various trail guys that like to use them. Uh, One crew up in the mountains that's up there, you know, probably every other week and uh, one with our trails coordinator I'm not sure where the other one is right now, but they're, you know, they, we try to get it to where it's needed most, but we can haul water. We can haul cement. We built some bridges, you know, you haul the wood, you haul the cement, you haul all the stuff down there and ferry it back and forth. And it, you know, you're not killing somebody trying to get all that equipment, you know, say three quarters or a mile in or more, you know, on a trail by walking it back and forth. It's awful. Mm-hmm. So I, I see the utilitarian, you know, I saw the utilitarian use of them first. And then I, um, you know, I would ride one, I'd demo one, yep. uh, tried one up at, I don't know where I was, Mammoth or, and then we have a local park. Um, it's not in the county. It's up in, by Big Bear called Sky Park. They had demos there, and it's a it's a bike park, uh, beautiful in the forest, beautiful trails. It's not lift supported, so you have to climb. The climb's not that bad. It's like a two hundred and fifty foot climb up a beautiful climbing trail. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they were having e bike demos. I tried one there, and I'm like, oh well, that was kind of fun. I, you know, that was fun. <laughs> so slowly, but I still say, you know, just like the old cross country rider in me won't die. I'm like. They're straight from the devil because they're so, they're so fun. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, I have totally changed my tune 
I think they're very appropriate in some, uh, some if not most places. So that's me personally. Organizationally, our, uh, we don't make policy, but our position, which we developed mm, probably before COVID, about 2019, I think we finally developed a position. And it's pretty similar to uh, IMBA almost, and CMTB has come up with something similar. All three of those positions of those groups basically say that we think that uh, class one e-bikes are okay on most trails yep. as long as the land manager feels that they're safe and appropriate. And so not so much class two and three Yeah, at this point. Similar out this way. Okay, cool. So um, that being said, uh, locally we're pretty, we've been pretty, well, it depends on what side you're on. If you're an e-bike proponent, uh, you're pretty lucky to be in San Diego County, in my opinion. This is what I try to tell people. Because north north of us in Orange County and LA, whoo, it's like a hotbed of like, you can't ride here. The LA County, Orange County parks. Ooh. Oh, wow. They've, they've taken a totally different stand. And I, <clears throat> I, I don't know. All I can tell you is about San Diego. I, um, uh, three years ago or more, the city of San Diego itself uh, and its city attorney reviewed this issue. And they went strictly off the California vehicular code, uh, I forget the, I'm not going to say the number cause I'll get it wrong of the, <laughs> the vehicular code. But, um, uh, it basically says that class one and two e-bikes are, are to be defined as bicycles. So they're not motorized, right? So the city attorney made the decision that that means that class one and two bikes should be allowed on trails like natural surface dirt trails, wherever bicycles are allowed. Okay. Okay. So if it's a hiking only trail in the city of San Diego, within the city city park, they can't. But if bicycles are allowed, they're fine. Hmm. Okay, well that covers a lot of area for us, a lot of popular riding places. Uh, all our urban canyons, uh, Mission Trails Regional Park, um, uh, yeah, a lot of places, uh, different reservoirs, places like that that belong to the city. So then not long after the county of San Diego and their trails and open spaces that they uh, manage um, went to their council and their council kind of decided the same thing, but they were a little more uh, precise and they came out with a list. They said uh, class one and two e-bikes are allowed in these parks and preserves on dirt trails and they're not allowed on these. And it's about half and half. Um, I keep bugging them now that it's been about three years to review the list because I think that they, they're, from my understanding, when I asked them, I said, are you having really any major issues or complaints? And they're like, no, not really. And I said, well, I think, you know, if you wouldn't mind, could we go through the list and kind of review the ones where they're not allowed and see if there's any room to maybe make some of them? Because some of them don't make sense to me. It's like, if you allow them over here, and it's a similar setup. Why wouldn't you allow them over here? So we need to, I'm still bugging them to have that conversation. So we have a couple of other uh, joint, like multi-jurisdictional areas. Uh, one being San Diego River Park, uh, Lake Hodges, for people that are listening who are local. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And that's like literally 50 or 60 miles of trail. It's uh, managed by a JPA, a Joint Powers Authority, class one and two, all okay. Uh, Daily Ranch, which is in our North County, city of Escondido, class one, fine. So, I mean, we have hundreds of miles of trails people could ride, plus loads of loads of dirt roads, forest roads, truck trails that allow vehicular traffic. You could ride for days, days and days and days in the dirt with an e-bike. Now, of course, some people want to focus on where they're not allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where not allowed uh, is some uh, smaller jurisdictions, right? Smaller t- cities have, have not made the, don't really have the capacity right now to come up with a policy. Uh, so that's kind of a gray area. But then our state parks, mm-mm. nope, no go, uh, unless it's a road where vehicles can travel like motor vehicles can travel. Uh, so, uh, for example, we have our uh, state parks in the mountains, but we also have Anza Borrego State Park, which I, you, you could get lost on all the dirt roads, you know, Jeep roads out in the desert. You could ride for days and days. You could bike pack with your e-bike, and you could be out there for a week and not cross the same road wow. out there. I mean, so, you know, you're not on a trail. It's a, it's a Jeep road. Still beautiful and fun, right? So I tell people, like, do you want to be, like, half, half full or half empty? Like, if you're yep. a half full person, we have a lot of places you could ride your e-bike. But the big, the big area that's a no-no is our forest at this point. And so, you know, we talk to the rangers. We, they know that a lot of people are riding up there anyway. But, you know, our premier trails, Noble Canyon, downhill, people shuttle it, uh, you know, and there's e-bikes up there all the time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's e-bikes all over. So it's just a matter of the, the federal, you know, the feds have decided a totally different thing. They're classifying e-bikes as motorized. And that's just a philosophical difference with the state of California. <laughs> so I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods. Yeah, we're at a, I mean... It was kind of broadcasted that a survey just went out asking, you know, people, you know, from regional, if they have any interest, you know, if they ride e-bikes, what their thoughts on it are, and if they want to step up and be an advocate for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, advocacy starts in your backyard and, you know, a bunch of people, it's one of those things where you need to get the people who ride them to to advocate to ride them because uh, if they don't do it no one else is gonna do it um i know i know certain it, it's same thing out here uh it, i'll speak for massachusetts because i don't know much more about the other states and their what they're doing but you can ride them some places you can't ride them other and, I, and i'm talking like type one um uh, they're they're not going with anything other than that um I will ask is, is it, you know, what's the argument that the biggest argument that you've seen against the use? Um, speed. Speed. I mean, to put it in one word, uh, I think that there's uh, instances where people may be going too fast um, on them. But uh, I tell everyone that trail etiquette is trail etiquette is trail etiquette. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're following trail etiquette and you're yielding where you're supposed to and you're slowing down when you, you know, leave a staging area or come back into a staging area where there's a lot of people, that you should just be riding responsibly. You know, if you're out where, you know, you get four or five miles in where hikers aren't, you know, do your thing. Have fun. But, you know, this requires judgment and responsibility and maturity. So, uh, you know, sorry, I put my mom hat on for a second there. Sorry. <laughs> and the next um, phrase is not everyone has those. <laughs> I'll say it. You don't have to. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I think we have a lot of uh, new riders um, who uh, aren't steeped in the trail etiquette and uh, knowledge of, of how hard fought trails are as we are. And so they don't have the, they're, they're not really seeing the bigger picture and they're out for, you know, their own personal enjoyment and don't really care about what's happening to other people's experience uh, on the trail when they're near them. And so, you know, the struggle is how do you, we're always preaching to the choir, right? How do we preach to the people who aren't in the choir? How do we reach the people who really are just not being considerate? That's one of the hardest things. And I, and I kind of touched on it before, uh, in, in regards to, you know, the, the rogue trail building and by, by all means, people are going to do what they're going to do. We're not the police or anything. Uh, we, say we have a hashtag, not your moral compass. Yeah. We're like, here's, here's the facts, not telling you what to do. It's like, just here's the facts. Yep. Absolutely. And it's education, right? And and that's one of the hardest things. How do you read like the people who are part of whatever organization it is are part of it for a reason. And they're learning these things or they already know these things. And that's why they're part of the organization. How do you reach the people who necessarily don't want to be part of the organization? Right. Uh, for, for whatever reason, right. There's a thousand reasons out there. I've heard, um, including it's cult like, and you've probably heard them all too. And it it's, uh, we're not going to get into it, but um, it's education. And like you said, it's, the, it's newer riders. Like since COVID there are, I'm sure there's a statistic out there. The, the percent increase in newer riders, how do you touch those people and, you know, explain that it's really a privilege anywhere I ride. It's a privilege to ride there. Yeah. I'm a new rider. I didn't know what it was like 30 years ago when there was half the amount of trails that we were allowed to ride on. But I understand, like I've learned that and how do you got, it's, you got to get it out there. And that's one of the hardest things to do. It is very hard. You know, you think we have a pretty good social media presence and we have a pretty big mailing list and we do all these things and events and, so on, but you're, uh, you know, how do you reach outside of your base? Yep. You know, and I'm always shocked every time we do like a tabling event, like we'll go pop up the canopy and take a table and take some stuff and, you know, put it up at a really popular trailhead. And we could talk to two or 300 people in a morning. And I'm always amazed. They're always, they look at the camp, they're like, San Diego Mountain Biking Associate, never heard of it. Who are you guys? What are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> And, you know, how long have you been riding? Oh, like a year. Okay. Awesome. Well, here's what we do. But I'm, I'm always amazed, I, you know, because, I mean, I'm doing this hours and hours every day. I'm like, oh, how yeah. can you not have, how can you not have heard of it? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but, you know, it's just a matter of communications and messaging and outreach. And 
all those things that take time and effort. So always worth it to go and sit at the, at the, you know, trailhead, always worth it every time. I like it. Yeah. We have a bike park too. You know, we have a, it's, uh, we have two bike parks now more on the way, but, um, the one that's the first one that was really built, that's, it's about 15 minute ride from my house. Um, you know, every once in a while we'll just go over there and set up a table and, you know, take some water and some snacks and go hang out. And, you know, it's a, granted, it's a lot of BMXers, but it's a lot of newer riders. It's a lot of families and they don't know, you know, maybe they don't know who we are. Uh, even though we worked on getting a bike park for a decade. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, that's always, it's always valuable time just to talk to people. You know, it's much nicer than Facebook. Yes. And emails and all of that. It's just kind of funny talking about e-bikes because uh, one of the local trails I I ride at, they have a sign that says no e-motorcycles. <laughs> and I don't know what they mean by that. I have no idea. Like it's a permanent sign. <laughs> wow. Um, I have, you know, That's- I don't can't imagine too many people are riding e-bikes here because it's pretty pretty flat but yeah i don't I don't know <laughs> it's just funny interesting well see like we're here like we're having a trouble with uh, we're having land manager i'm not we're a land manager uh, land managers are having trouble with e-motos right mm, so okay uh, so you're talking i'm not going to name any brands but these are brands that are out of category right they're not class one two or three they're throttle electric. Yeah, one of these. <laughs> throttle electric. Uh, they look like a motorcycle. They do not have pedals. Mm. Okay. So that's an e-moto. And they are around and they are um, an issue for sure. Makes, makes you wonder if someone did that then. And that's what they're actually talking about. It's not just some cheat joke about, uh, you know, e-bikes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But again, it's did. the speed. You know, it's the yeah, speed. If somebody right. buys, If somebody buys a bike like that, they're, they're looking to go too fast for a trail, right? If they can go 30, 40, even 50 miles an hour, they don't, they should not be on a trail. They can go to OHV area. Don't we have plenty of OHV? Well, I shouldn't say we have some, (laughs) my OHV friends, they'll get mad. We have some (laughs) OHV areas and, and you know, there's, there's one, uh, out East here that mountain bikes have ridden for years. There's a big race that goes on out there, the sagebrush safari. And the, the motorcycles and the bikes get along just fine. And now there's e-bikes out there. And, you know, if the e-moto guys want to go out there, and I don't know if they get laughed at by the real motorcycle guys or not. Maybe <laughs> they do. I don't know. But that's, you know, that's their deal. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to sit up there at the top of the, the, they call it four corners, and see if the, see what happens. How's that dynamic working? I don't know. That must be interesting. And it, it, we we struggle uh, in, in certain areas of you know, our chapters region with motos, uh, whether, you know, they're venture off of the land that they can ride onto the mountain biking trails at countless hours of, of blood, sweat, and tears go into building and can get messed up pretty quick. Um, yep, same here. We have the issue with real dirt bikes out where they shouldn't be. It's tough, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of the things that everyone deals with and, you guys just mentioning e-motos, they must be so quiet, right? Like, uh, and, quiet, <laughs> quiet and fast. Yeah. They, I, 
I never really thought about that because I grew up like uh, in the western part of the state where it's it was all woods. I had trails. I could go miles and miles on my dirt bike. And like everyone within, you know, two miles heard me coming. And now thinking about that, you could really go wherever and, and kind of be secretive about it on one of those. You could, but you could also come around a blind corner and really hurt someone. Yes, exactly. Again, speed. Speed is the issue. Yep. You know, whether whether real or perceived by, you know, another user group, uh, you know, uh, the perception of social conflict is a lot of it is perception. You know, some some trail user has a story from 10 years ago and they keep saying at every public meeting mm. they go to. Yep. And I'm I'm like, you know, that happened one time, you know, and, you know, it's the usual thing. Like you, everybody can remember the bad story, the bad experience they had. But like, how about. How about the hundreds and hundreds of good, good interactions you've had with other trail users? Nobody talks about those. They talk about the one bad one from 10 years ago that ruined their everything, you know, their life. So it's just a lot of perception most of the time. And I think most of the land managers are smart enough to know that uh, really most of the time uh, people are getting along. There's always issues, but most of the time people are getting along. So I, speaking from, kind of what we're doing out here. The mountain bikers do a ton of the trail maintenance, right? Um, If there's a big storm, a bunch of blowdowns, you have deadfall. Hikers could just walk over that type of stuff, right? Um, Equestrians, not so much. Like within hours, sometimes of storms, there's guys out there, whether silky saw or if chainsaws allowed, um, thousands of hours a year put into just that part of it, um, maintaining the trails and, and that type of thing. And we, it's pretty cool when you do get recognized for it by a different user group or a land manager. Um, I've had that happen a, a couple times and it just makes you feel really good because, you know, people are out there doing that and it's not really seen. Uh, and when it is, it feels good. And especially, you know, the, the, the equestrians, cause it benefits them too, um, more so than the hikers, honestly. And locally, like they know it. I'm most of our equestrians are, you know, a little bit older and, you know, they're not, they're not, there might be a couple that are chainsaw certified, but for the most part, that's, we have trail runners that are chainsaw certified and, and some of our people as well. I wish I had more. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that benefits everyone. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. After storm, we've had this last year, we had so well, last two years, really so many trees down so many, you know, but you know, if somebody sends me, we've tried to train people. We're like, if you come across a down tree, take a map pin, take a picture of the f- fall from both sides and tell us how, what's the biggest diameter of the trunk. If you're just going to say, hey, there's a tree down sub- somewhere up in the forest, like that doesn't help us. Like give it. A- so we've trained some people and they give us all the information and then our guys know what equipment they need to take out there and they know exactly where they're going. Have, and we could, yeah. Ha- have you guys used a trail care app at all? Um, you know, not really in a formal way. I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. But uh, at this point, we we have not. We've used it at a couple different parks and in- Usually the um, 
like the ranger or park rep has access to it. And in some instances, it's like real time. They see it and they're just out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So what have we missed? That's probably enough about e-bikes. I don't really want to talk about them anymore. No, <laughs> I, I I will talk Done. about one. I, I demoed one. I won't lie. Um, so we You're too young. Enough. I'm sorry. Did they check your ID? You're too young. Sorry. Oh, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I'll show you my ID. I'm, uh, actually, funny story. I have been given an age of now three years older than I actually am. Uh, my wife told my daughter I'm older than I am because she's a little bit older. My wife's a little bit older than me and she's trying to bridge the gap there. And oh, no. All right. I'm probably, she probably will never listen to this, but this probably will be the only episode she listens to. And I might not, you might never see me again for saying that, but I am 37 now. And yeah, uh, my daughter thinks I'm 37. I'm really 34. So Oh, well, there you go. Well, I apply, you're about the same age as our trails coordinator. And nice. uh, we love it when we have, uh, you know, 30-somethings or even 20-somethings that get engaged. That's what I we get, need. I got forced into, <laughs> into this position. Now, um, I, I was hanging out with the president of our chapter and he got me really plugged in because I recently just picked up mountain biking again after not riding since I was a kid and a teenager. And, you know, he really just plugged me into everyone out here. It was awesome. And he was the president of the chapter for 14 years. And he's like, I'm stepping down, but we can't find someone to raise their hand. And that was said a few times. And I was like, well, I love mountain biking. I'm fully engaged. Like started, you know, this um, Facebook group for mountain bikers from all over to have a place to voice your opinions. And whether you're new That's or old or you're not going to get torn apart for posting a, you know, that question. Is, that is how it starts. There's several uh, people here locally and regionally, Southern California. And I, you know, I belong to a lot of Facebook groups. And, you know, figure out who the admin is. And I, I've, I found that those, the people who have taken upon themselves to dive into social media and have a page that has, you know, a few thousand people on it and yep. moderate that, they're, they're probably pretty good potential, uh, you know, at least good volunteer, good solid volunteers or even board members. I have a, a board member on my board that came to me that way. And um, I'm trying to talk some others up in Riverside and Orange counties uh, the same, that if they're doing all this work on social media, they should really do, you know, get involved with their local chapter and really become engaged to really make a change. I mean, social media is one thing. It's great. But, uh, you know, how are you, what's the next level? Like, what's the next thing? It's It's been awesome, honestly. I, I basically told them, if nobody else steps up, like, I'll do it. And it was the next chapter meeting. They were they were doing nominations or whatever, asking people to raise their hand. And I didn't say anything. And Steve uh, was like, "I nominate Tommy," and that, that's that's the end. That's there the end go. of it. So I've, easy. Learned, I've learned yeah. a lot, and and it's. Well, I'm on. Yeah, I mean, I'm on three boards. Or no, I'm well. 
three, no, two, uh, two boards. So I'm staff here of San Diego Mountain Bike Association. I'm a founding board member on the California Mountain Biking Coalition. I'm on the board of a local group called Sprott Kids San Diego, which is its own 501c3 that does uh, youth mountain biking programming. Oh, nice. I've avoided, avoided being on our local NICA chapter board. Don't tell them. Shh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so far I've avoided that. Uh, although they are amazing. And, um, yeah, I sit on a couple of local, you know, citizens advisory committees, the county parks advisory committee. Like, you know, I tell people, look, our basic membership is 39 bucks. Is it worth 39 bucks for you? If I can go to a bunch of meetings and be the mountain biker at the table, is that worth 39 bucks to you for the year? And most people were like, yeah, it's probably, probably good that you're there. You're a dollar cheaper than our membership. Oh, there you go. It's, <laughs> it's coffee money, right? Like it's, it's a couple less, of weeks worth of coffee money. It's less than a tire these days. Yeah. True. Half, half as much as a tire for your bike these days. And you know, um, I've heard people, what do I get for my 40 bucks? It's like, what? You, you get to ride your going, bike on awesome yeah, trails. <laughs> if that's, if that's not enough, you get like <laughs> discounts from these five or six or seven different vendors discounted, you know, um, seasons passes and lift tickets at Highland mountain bike park, uh, silky saws discounts. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway. It's the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Great. I want to talk about like your racing a little bit. We haven't oh. really talked too much about your riding all that much. Uh, it's been mostly your career and what you do. And let's tell me about how you got into racing and, and what that was like. Well, again, uh, my husband did, he used to, before I knew him, he was doing some road racing and other things when he was like 18, 19, 20. And, uh, when I met him, he wasn't, but when, uh, my daughter was three years old, uh, we did a big Western trip. Like we went, we had our bikes, we went, I don't know. We probably went to Tahoe, you know, around to see all our friends. We probably went to Moab, came around through Utah. And then we really like Brian Head, Utah, which is in Southwestern Utah. It's a, a really small ski resort, but it's, We've skied there for years as well. Great snow, inexpensive. You can stay right on, you know, ski in, ski out, and it's not outrageously expensive. And uh, they have mountain biking there in the summer. And, you know, when we first started, you know, 30 years ago, they hardly really, they had a couple shuttle runs. Uh, it wasn't really a bike park, like the actual ski area, but now it is. It's, aw- it's great, super fun. Really high altitude, 9,500 feet at the base. Ooh. High. Yeah. Wow. Can you, yeah. Um, uh, and I, on my daughter's third birthday, there was going to be a race at Brian Head. And back in those days, it was Norba, you know, whatever. So, um, I had seen it and I told my husband, I said, I'm going to sign you up and I'm going to pay for it ahead of time. So we have to be in Brian Head, like the, you know, to be there for the race. So he's like, Oh, he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, Oh, you'll do great. Like we'd been writing and writing and writing. I'm like, you'll be great. So we get there, he does the race, race is beginner and whatever age category he was at that time. 
came in first by like 10 minutes. <laughs> he sandbagged everyone. Yeah, everybody's like, who, we don't know who that guy is, sandbagger. Like, he, like who? no, totally. They're like, we don't, you know, who is he? He's from San Diego. It's like, blah, blah, blah. Should be racing beginner. And he's like, it's my first mountain bike race ever. Not, you know. And so he won like a Cannondale jacket. And we, he won, we won a night at the condos we were already staying. So we stayed for an extra night. And they're super happy. We're like, oh, this is awesome. I remember after that race, he said, I'm never doing that again. It was awful. I'm never doing it again. But, you know, then the next day he's like, well, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of fun. And then the 10 year, we raced for 10 years after that. And then I did my first race mm, in probably like 94 and then promptly got pregnant again. (laughs) 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 Had my son in 96 so I was doing a little bit of cross country before that. And then he was born. And then we were racing in a Baja series. We raced in Baja. They have a, a 10 month, uh, one race a month for 10 months of the year in different places uh, south of the border. So uh, in Tijuana, in Rosarito, in Ensenada, uh, Tecati. Uh, those, those were the days. Like those, hmm. the courses were raw, rugged, difficult uh, the race entry was like 10 bucks and you got tacos and a beer and a shirt and cool trophies. Like it was just an amazing community down there. Awesome. And we did all those races. And so I started racing cross country down there really. And when I did my first, my first race up in the States, the course was so much easier and groomed and like (laughs) not cut in by a motorcycle or like awful. So I'm like, oh, well, this is, you know, I cut my teeth down in Baja and then I came up here and I'm like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. So we were training when the kids were little. We were, we would take turns training. You know, one of us would ride in the driveway and dump the, you know, grab the kids and the other one would take off. And um, yeah, so we started, I raced cross country. And like I said, then I switched into um, a little bit of downhill and then Super D. And my daughter started racing as well. Our son raced a little bit also. So all this, you know, from the Shimano kids races where everybody gets a medal. Uh, they raced at Sea Otter, uh, raced down in Mexico as well. Um, in Mexico, they don't give everybody a medal. <laughs> the kids are much, you know, it's more, much more real down there. My daughter realized, she goes, you know, in Mexico, it kind of is a little more fun because not everybody gets a medal. You have to like really get first, second or third. And I'm like, huh, yeah. <laughs> so, <Welcome. it> <laughs> yeah. so uh uh super d was really great i um my daughter and i were racing with a all women's team called go girl uh my friend had a line of clothing go girl activewear and we had an awesome team we did 24-hour races we did clinics for women uh you know this was really at its height i'd say in the early 2000s uh like late 1990s early 2000s did big women's only events up at Big Bear at Snow Summit back in the, you know, old Am Cup days where we'd have 350, 400 women coming. We split everybody up into different disciplines and levels and do clinics and kid stuff. And, oh, those were the days, man. That was great. Uh, so always involved in, like, the women's side of it, like getting more women into writing. Uh, and then our last race was in 2004. And my daughter and I did the AmCup series, Super D. And you know how the series go. Like if you just go to all the races, like you get the most points and then you, you're like the champion of the whatever. Yep. So 
So for that, for that series, um, I was the over 40 California state downhill champion and she was the under 18 California state downhill champion. That's amazing. We we retired and just went out on top. That's how you do it. Oh, I love it. (laughs) It's like, yeah. See you later, everyone. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) Yeah. Champs. Yeah. Champs for life. Yeah. So a couple of, uh, I've, I've done a couple of like women's only events, um, uh, that are just super fun. They're a hoot. Those girls like up at Big Bear, they do these amazing things. And now we have a women's uh, group uh, that's regional in Southern California and spilling over into Arizona as well called Girls Gone Writing. There's eight chapters now. It was started by a friend of mine in LA. And our San Diego chapter um, is, uh, uh, this is an all-volunteer organization they do rides and clinics and like this weekend, they're all meeting up at a riding area and camping together. Uh, so they have groups coming from San Diego, from Orange County, from Inland Valley, and then they all get together and it's great because everybody makes new friends and then you have friends in different areas to ride with, you know, you can just message them and be like, Hey, I'm going to be in your area. Let's go ride. And, but just on our San Diego, uh, we have a private Facebook group. We have over, I think we're up to like 1,200 women just in San Diego, all mountain biking. Oh, wow. Just Yeah, it's huge. We need more it's, of that here, honestly. Uh, it's, it's huge. It's, it's just so much fun. We do a big uh, women, a Girls Gone Riding weekend up at Big Bear at Snow Summit. And Snow Summit, you know, they welcome us with open arms. Uh, and, yeah, it's just, it's terrific. So I enjoy that as well. So, I mean, that's my racing uh, it was 10 years when the kids were little, it was really fun. We met so many people and went so many cool places. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. I think I'm going to try. Of, it's a lot of work though. It's a lot of work. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to try my first race this year. I don't know what it's going to be, but, um, yeah, I definitely want to try like a beginner enduro somewhere. And then also like, just like a beginner, uh, cross country. Just there's just here and there yeah. they have them out here, so I, I definitely want to yeah. just give it a shot. Yeah, here too. Enduro's gotten really popular. Um, uh, there's a couple of venues um, that can do that in Southern California, and uh, we have one uh, local mountain bike race promoter. We don't do any races ourselves as SDMBA yep. because we have a wonderful partner. Uh, in quick and dirty racing uh, and he puts on various races throughout the year. And so we kind of are just partners and we, everybody that wants to race, we just send them to quick and dirty and, and, but we're there, we set up a booth and we talk to people and uh, you know, help do aid stations and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> gravel, gravel's really big here too. Gravel's exploding everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, gravel is big. Like I said, we have lots of, uh, forest roads and truck trails that you can link. I mean, uh, miles and miles and miles together on our backcountry dirt roads. Um, surprisingly and, uh, next weekend. Yeah. Not this weekend. Next weekend is the Belgian waffle ride, which you guys may have heard of. I don't know. They started in San Diego and now there's five, I think they have five regional Belgian waffle rides. They do one in North Carolina, one in Kansas, one in Utah, one in San Diego. And they're huge. Thousands of racers uh, will be at the one here in San Diego. 
Wow. We're doing an aid station. They pride themselves on being a little silly, the Belgian mm-hmm. waffle ride, obviously mm-hmm. by the name. Yes, there are waffles. Yeah. There are waffles. I was going to ask, are there waffles? Good. <laughs> Sounds amazing. So they have the long, the long, uh, uh, the long route for them is called the waffle ride, and it's 130 miles. <laughs> and then they have the wafer. The wafer is 70 some miles, and then they have the wana. W-A-N-N-A, the WANA is like 30-some miles. But, yeah, they'll have thousands of racers. We're doing an aid station, and they like the aid stations to be kind of silly. And so we're doing Gilligan's Island. Nice. <laughs> It'll be fun. I'm waiting for my ginger wig to come. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, but gravel is huge, and we have local gravel clubs and, uh, you know, Lots of gravel bikes are being sold, and uh, I have yet to really ride a gravel bike any distance. I don't know. It's a hard. It's a hard tail. I don't think I'm. I don't know if I'm built well, for that anymore. You were riding them in the early '90s, so I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. I've done it. I've done it already. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tyler, we have. We usually end with one big question. Yeah. Why do you ride bikes? <laughs> As a summation of everything, mm. why? Why do you love it? Why do you like riding mountain bikes? I It takes me to new places. Uh, you know, we travel a lot and get to ride, uh, you know, up and down California and in different states. But even locally, like I can end up on a road or a trail that I've never ridden before. And this is my job. Like San Diego is a big place, right? I, you know, I've covered a lot, but I haven't, uh, you know, there's still things that are, you know, connections and things that I may not have ridden. So I just like, uh, you know, growing up here, being a native San Diegan, I have learned so much about my county mm. by being out of a car and being out in the backcountry or even just in an urban canyon. Like riding with someone uh, who may do a route or links, link a route together that I never thought of before in our urban canyons, I'm like, oh, I never thought of, like, that's great. Like, so I think it's just the new things. Um, and obviously it's great exercise, you know, uh, uh, it's great exercise and it is been a family activity for me, uh, and the kids. And so that's been really great. And I love seeing young, younger families coming up doing the same thing. I mean, so many great families with, you know, I see the kids grow up and they're starting to race and join their high school team or their middle school team. And that's really exciting. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, I still, I love riding. Um, I should get out from behind my desk more and ride more, but you know, e-bikes, whatever. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, uh, uh, But I just think I, I just, I love being outside. I'm an old backpacker. Like I grew up as a backpacker before I ever rode bikes. So I love trails and I love the forest and I love the desert. And I just like being out there uh, exploring really. That's awesome. Yeah. It didn't take you that long to think of that answer either. So you can tell you're real sincere. (laughs) Yeah. I try. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like, that's great. It's amazing. I, I, I love it. Like I grew up in a small town. There was woods and trails up right from the back of my house down to the Swift river, which is fed from the Quabbin reservoir, which is where Boston gets their water supply from. 
So like, you know, same thing, just love being outdoors. And I got away from it for so, you know, I don't know, a decade or so when I was, you know, establishing myself and my career and my family and was lucky enough to move to the eastern part of the state in Boston and wasn't thinking about mountain biking at all, obviously. And we moved 20 minutes south of Boston to a nice town with, you know, right next to a huge um, state park reservation. And I can be in there in 10 minutes on my bike and just, you know, the rest is history, I guess. And full on dove in head first and it's, there's nothing like it. That's great. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier about our foreign exchange program that we're going to start, but I think that, um, being an advocate while racing first, like you meet a lot of people, you know, and then like we've gone to Sea Otter Classic for years. So you kind of start to meet people from, you know, people from these friends from Santa Cruz and friends from San Francisco or friends from Downeyville or whatever. And as an advocate, like you meet people who are really involved in their area. And, and then to, if you, I have such a network now, yep. like if I'm going up to any of those places, I can you know, message somebody and be like, Hey, we're going to be up. Can you show me the new trail you're working on? Let's go on a ride. You know, let's go have a beer like, or, or whatever. And it's just an amazing network of people. And you can just learn so much about other areas and maybe bring that back to help uh, with the projects you're working on. And it's just, and it's super fun because you have a guide, <laughs> you have somebody who knows where they're going and uh, it's great. You know, they'll take you to the best breweries and the best food and you're set. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I I love as well. I like visiting other places and seeing what people are up to. The community is just unbelievable. And um, yeah, it's the best. We've just done that here. Open invite. If you're ever in Massachusetts, uh, I'll email you after this too. I I definitely would love to hook you up and link you up with our executive director and um, be, be a good connection. And then also like, like I said, open invite, or anywhere in New England, I can reach out to somebody in 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 our organization and get you linked up. There you go. Well, vice versa so. in California, we have Perfect. it all. Yeah, we're all connected. So I'll have to convince my wife that we need to go to California for something. Yeah, I mean, I love San Diego. San Diego's terrific. Vacation. You got all kinds of things, a zoo and stuff. But you know, I do. I have a special place in my heart for Tahoe. Lots of great friends up there, and it's so beautiful. Of course, they had, you know disastrous fires last season Mm. i haven't been up since the fires everybody says get ready like prepare your prepare yourself Uh, but you know it'll it'll come back it's still beautiful uh it's a it's a amazing magical place so yeah it's terrific great so honestly thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me great to chat with you guys this is awesome and um I think, is there anything, I know there's a bunch of things that you've already mentioned, but we will, we can post links and all that when we start to publicize it, publicize this, um, like any shout outs, any, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, if you have people, um, back in your area who are interested in California or San Diego things, uh, our website for, um, uh, San Diego is sdmba.com. And so you Google it, you'll find us. And uh, California Mountain Biking Coalition is CAMTB.org. So if you want to, if you have notes or anything, you can put them in there. Uh, and of course, both of those orgs are on, you know, Twitter.
Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook and so on. I do have my own podcast as well. Yes. It's <laughs> on sdnba.com trail news podcast. So uh, you can find that there. Uh, it's been really fun to talk to land managers and uh, different people and kind of history. Like I talked to the guys who, one of the guys who founded SDNBA back in 1994. That was super great. I, just to, I think it's important to, I call them the ancestors. Don't tell them I said that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important for people to know that all these people have worked so hard, you know, and they're all my friends and, and I just want to give them some, give them some love and some attention. So it's great. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Yeah. Guess we're good. Cool. All right. <laughs> thanks awesome. again, well, thanks. Susie. Yeah, yeah, thanks you guys so much. It was great. Have a good night. Yep, have okay. a good night. <laughs> okay, talk to you later. Bye. Yep, bye.